Oi, you lot. You listen to Garage Talent. Episode 220. On tonight's episode, the Mudlings finally review Black Talon, the first mark. And that, that's about it, because you know how they go through books. It's like every other word has to be picked apart. So shut up! I'm listening to me show! Welcome to the Garage, you tools. For the next three hours or thereabouts, we'll do our best to keep you informed, entertained, and perhaps have a laugh or two along the way. Bringing you the first mark, the last mark, and the next mark, I'm Alex Gonzalez. And I'm exhausted. Yes. A lot of the books, you're exhausted too. Yes. Um, oh, I'm just, I'm exhausted. Oh, hey, so, and why am I exhausted? Because I've been working a lot, but I just want to say this. Um, I am super jazzed. I went to go see that movie Midsummer. That movie okay. was so good. Holy crap. I'm just I can't get it out of my head. I had to get it off my chest. I'm not we're not even doing a toolbox today. I'm not waiting for the toolbox. Holy crap. If you saw and enjoyed a hereditary, you you've got to see this movie. Holy crap. It was so good. It was kind of like The movie? Wicker Man. Yeah. It's a small That is also a movie? You've never seen or heard of The Wicker Man? The original in the in the 70s was with Christopher Lee and that guy who played the uh, Equalizer on television. Um, then the remake, they had that remake with Nicolas Cage like a few years back, and it was terrible. And this is, Oh, that would explain it. This is a similar idea, but um, yeah, it's A24 films. The uh, It's a small okay. production company. They do a lot of cool is movies. Is that like, uh, what's that? Um, they did Ex Machina. They did a bunch of other things. Sure. They did that, that 90s okay. or whatever that Seth Rogen movie was, or no, Jonah Hill movie was. I'm sorry I'm sidetracking this. We should thank the sponsors. I'm just, I'm, ugh, it, my my head is just rolling through this two and a half hours. Are they like sense. trauma small? No. Is that what it is? They're, no, they're small, but they're more art housey. Like, they're, they're, I mean, they're not okay. all very good, but it's giving, you know, directors a chance to try something different. But it's not just okay. exploitation films like Trauma, although I do have a good spot in my heart for The Toxic Avenger and Sergeant Kabuki Man NYPD. So. Okay. <laughs> yep. That is a bridge we just jumped off. Cool. So, uh, as always, we need to take a moment to thank the sponsors of Garage Hammer, which include Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Superstore. Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios for all your basing needs. And Lindsay's Gamer Garrison in Wakanda, Illinois. Not that Wakanda, and not that Lindsay. Um, hey, listen. Speaking of one of our sponsors, Six Squared Studios, um, I'm just going to throw this out here right now. Um, they're having a contest with, on our show. They're they're sponsoring a contest. Um, and I wanted to talk about this really quick. And I know we're kind of all over the place, but I don't want to forget. Um, so. Basically, I was talking with Kevin, and he his whole idea was he wants to see like things that people really enjoy in the hobby. So he wants people to share their hobby story, how you got into the hobby or how long or what your biggest change is from them until now. Something positive, some positive thing about the hobby, something that really makes this hobby special for you. You can voicemail it. You can email it. You can however you want to send it, okay? Send it in, and um, 
Now, here's what, uh, get this. Now, he's going to give out, or uh, him and him and Brad are going to give out a $100 prize, uh, like a store credit at Six Creek Studios for the winning entry. Wow. Yeah, so a hundred dollar credit at Six Squared Studios for the winning entry, um, and um, so what we're going to do is we're going to go through all the entries. Um, we're going to pick between you and me and and the guys at Six Squared. We're going to kind of go through and get our top six, I think, choices, mm-hmm. and then we'll put all those out on the air, and then we'll 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 uh, we'll we'll pick from there. Uh, okay. If there's any, if, if 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 we get a lot of entries, I mean, because a hundred dollar gift gift certificate to the store is kind of huge. Um, if we get a bunch of entries, we may throw in some honorable mentions, you know. Also, you know, because okay, but that's this is the plan is to pick this now. This is episode two twenty. I want to give people time, so you kind of got you you know go through your lazy summer and get your stuff together because once we go back to school at the end of August, the contest is over. So we are going to um, close the contest, um, I believe, around August. When are we closing the contest? I think August 17th gives you more than a month to get it in. Um, Sure. And we'll go through them all, pick them all, and then we'll we'll announce the winner on the uh, the next episode. So, and we're not allowed to enter, right? We can't enter. Okay. And then the other question, is this American or Canadian? Um, Anybody can enter. No, 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 no. Oh. Is it 100 American or 100 Canadian? Because they are right on the border. Oh. um, He said $100. And in the in the text, it was a dollar sign, not a Canadian sign. So, Canadian sign? I don't know what I'm talking about. Don't ask questions. No. I don't. Okay. Yeah. Oh, hey, I'm going there like next week. Their money's weird. It's like plastic and it's see through in parts. And it's amazing. It's so cool and it's all different colors. And then they come here and they're like, your money looks all the same. You actually have to look closely at it. You can't just pull out the colors. I'm like, yes, you are correct. Um, but yeah, so um, I don't know what kind of dollars. Um, I will have to find out. But it's still, you know, it's still good price either way i don't know which but either way um so get those entries in you could send them to uh, garagehammer at live.com or um you could do them on the voicemail um or whatever uh however you want to send them in but get your entries in you've got a month and that's i mean that's a pretty cool prize uh, um, so they've been they've, yeah, they're celebrating is. their five-year anniversary and we have been talking about this back at the Nine-year anniversary. We're in the we're in our tenth year. We've done this for over nine years. We're working on ten. So he's like, "We want to do a big prize." I was like, "Cool, I'm in." So that's what you got to do. So uh, also, let's not forget to thank the Patreon sponsors. Those people who become the one percent and make this show and everything that we do. Possible. Those are our associate producers, Phil Elliott, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, and AJC. AJC. And our newest patron, thank you for joining the ranks of the almost 1%, Ken Sheldon. Ken, thank you for uh, joining. Um, 
Oh, and be- now, you know, we've got little different levels that you can pledge on on the Patreon. And um, this is, we're doing a Black Library book, obviously. And um, when we do a Black Library book at, uh, I forget which level it is, but at that certain level or higher, um, when we're done recording this, I'm drawing a name. Somebody's winning my book with my notes written in it. So that's a bonus for the Patreon people. They get a written in book. Isn't that amazing? This one's actually only highlighted because I took the notes. Well, no, it's written in. What am I talking about? All right. But, okay. But that's what we're doing. So after the show, we'll be giving that away. Um, and I will be uh, announcing it on the Patreon page, and then we'll probably announce it next episode. So um, finally, as you know, I know you know this, Alex, even though you pretend do. you don't. We have voicemail. No, we don't. Uh, so maybe you didn't know. We do. We have voicemail. All you got to do is pick up your phone and dial 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. That's 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. Do that. International callers maybe dial zero zero beforehand, and then one seven five seven GH show six, and you too can leave us a voicemail. Um, we did get one this week; it was fantastic, but it was like a full on the full three minute message, like it maxed out. And um, I'm going to play it next episode because this episode we've got to jump into this book. We're going to take a. In fact, um, I think we're going to go long enough where we'll get three breaks in easy. So. Um, mm-hmm. I say we just jump into the book. Let's do that. Uh, no offense to the voicemails. I just there's 17 chapters of this that we're going to get be going through, and um, I, I'm kind of excited to jump into it. I've been wanting to do this book forever. I was originally planning on doing it, um, like possibly all the way back when you were on paternity leave. So it's been a while. Yeah, you were supposed to be doing this type of thing with Rotor, but yep, yeah, yep, and uh, so. Black Talent, First Mark by Andy Clark. Um, I'm assuming you liked it. I was indifferent. You were indifferent to it. Yes. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> um, any particular reason that it didn't quite tickle your fancy, or are you just tired of Stormcast? Um, there was a lot of Stormcast, and there was a lot of... I don't know. Like I left this book with a lot more questions as opposed to answers. Um, but it's not like questions like, Ooh, I want to know more. It's questions like, mm, that's kind of irritating. Oh, I thought this was a, a lot of stuff setting up for later stories. No, and I'm sure this is setting up a trilogy or something to that extent. And there is a lot of places that this book can go for set for a spinoff. So, well, I mean, yeah. literally at the end of the book, you know, you know, spoilers. Hopefully, you read. But even at the end of the book, uh, Black Talon herself was like, "This is this is all wrapped up a little too easy." Like, I think we're missing something. Like, even she's like knows there's more. Yeah, no, and it's coming. There's some cool stuff in here. Um, I, I mean, the story itself is actually a pretty basic. You're you're, you're pretty basic. You know, gotta fulfill a mission story. Um, what I like about it are all the little side chat and the the cool conversations and the things like that that are happening uh just sort of the some of the stuff that fills in um uh, you know attitudes and beliefs and values that these people have like you know sort of like 
I don't know if you're kind of going over a humanities course of these people. Like, you know, these are the things that they care about. This is their beliefs, their values, their attitudes towards all this stuff. Um, and it just makes that world seem more real. That's kind of how I felt when I was reading it. Yeah, That's the, part the, I really uh, the girl that Black Talon pals around with is probably the most interesting character in the story. Cat? Cat. Yeah. So, any event. Um, so we should probably start with the prologue. Sure. Uh, you so, want to give us the, the, the quick lowdown? Yeah. So we come across a fort that is manned by Swift Talk agents. So those are the um, Spider Guard, Shadow Warriors, um, and they're essentially just like the scouts. Um, well, their isn't, fort get- isn't that the, also the flying chariot thing? Yeah. The okay, scout cutters. Okay. And that's how one of them gets away. Right. Um, so there's, they get attacked by something they don't know what. Um, it's like a green fire in the air. Bad things are happening. And like the elves are like turning on themselves, like trying to kill their friends. Um, and the only one to get out alive is the elf. I'm going to bur- butcher this because, you know, is Thindrail or Thundrail? Thindrail. I don't think you butchered it at all. Sure. Nice okay. job. Um, he's the only one to escape, and he only escapes because of the aid of a bird on a sky cutter. Um, because the fort is burning up around him, and his friend that he was trying to get out with tried to kill him. Um, so he escapes. He's pretty banged up. Um, that's pretty much the prologue. So it's like this is a basic, basic setup. This is that. Ty- that this is the beginning of Congo. Oh, well, that's a bad example. This is the beginning of. <sighs> But this is the beginning of any movie where it's like, oh, look, these people are way out here and they're not really part of the story. But, oh, that thing that happened to them. Remember that, because that's actually is important, because that's what, that's going to come up later. This is exactly what what we're getting here. Your basic setup. Mm-hmm. And um, that's honestly there's not much to say about it other than that. It's it's that it's that opening before the credits scene in the movie that just sets yeah. up some, you know, oh, this is what. OK, boom. Chapter one. Act one, chapter one. You want to you want to run the uh, summary on this one too? Sure. So they are in a ruined city north of Hammerhall Aksha. So that's in the realm of fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black Talon is out stalking her target, and how this kind of works, at least with the Knights Zephyros, is they like get the imprint in their mind and they like home in on it, so she can like sense the person that Sigmar has sent as her mark, um, and she's. Accompanied by Tarion, who is a knight venator, um, who is like her hunting partner, as it were, or the closest one to it. Um, And they go in and they find their target. And it's the Zinjin sorcerer Zelkin, X-E-L-K-Y-N. And she's been hunting him for a while, um, but finally gets to him. And him and his coven are like performing a ritual. But they don't know exactly what it's for. They don't know what's going on. But they want to send him to meet Sigmar, pretty much. So they go in, and she can wind shift. So that's like what the Griff Chargers do. Yeah, so really it's like the people who ride them are not the one who does it. It's the it's the mounts that are doing that wind shifting, right? Yeah, the, the shifting thing. Um in the rules of the game, she like accompanies a unit, but at this point, she's to the point that she can do it on her own. 
Um, and that's a result of the reforging is why she's able to do that. It's one of her like gifts, I guess, from the reforging is that she can win shift. She's literally the only Stormcast who can win shift. It's kind of cool. Yeah. So she runs in, cutting through cultists and everything. Tarion is above her, raining down arrows. And she's hopping over, enlightened, and ogroids, um, just spinning and cutting, spinning and hacking. Um, Tarion gets shot down, um, and he has to go off to be reforged, but she gets to the target. And essentially, like, what he does is he sets up some sort of, like, bubble, like, force shield that encompasses the two of them. Which he says, oh, I'm going to get you, you know, because of this. And she's like, you've locked yourself in with a lioness. What's wrong with you? <laughs> um, so she hucks an axe, kills him. Uh, he disintegrates. Um, but in the process, everything collapses around her and she has to get sent back to be reforged. But there's something wrong. He tells her that she's cursed. And at that point, like, you can tell something's not right with the Kool-Aid. Yeah. He takes one look at her and he knows there's something up with her. He can sense it and he starts laughing at her. Um, actually falls, plummets to his own demise just to drag her with him. He knows she's got him, mm-hmm. but he drags her with him. Um, while she's off to be reforged, she has a vision. Um, and it's this, she sees this village and it's being sacked and the village is burning and there's this baby crying and these, the, these, these, Chaos agents are going to get to the baby, and then somebody comes and saves the baby. Yeah, it's like big hulking Blight Kings. Yeah. That's what it is. Blight Kings that are sacking the village, not saving the baby. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the baby gets saved. And at this point, we're like, is that a different baby? Is that the girl on the cover? Is it her? We don't know. I mean, we had that other other story. um, Was it Soul Wars? Where... There was the girl, and that Stormcast was her mother, or something like that. It was, yes. you know, yeah, 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 yeah. So this this kid could be anybody, but we've got a couple of pretty good ideas right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's another, it's another, it's another, you know, chapter opener. Here's here's the characters you need to know. Look how look how awesome they are. Um, they got the mark, but destroyed off to be reforged. Um, it's an interesting opening, I think, because you literally kill off the two main characters or they send them to be reforged right at the beginning of the story, um, which is something they tend to try to avoid. So having it happen right away in the beginning, it's like, oh, that's okay. Well, it's also different with these characters because them, death is like character development. <laughs> It really is it's because when, it's they when you, change. It, it, well, yeah, it's kind of like stopping at the inn for the night and cashing in all your experience points. Sure. Basically, ain't it? I guess. So, Except I don't want to cash in my experience points with my death. Well, that's true. Hey, nobody wants to, but that's what happens. But you got a, a bit of a buddy cop type of back and forth going between these two. Um, oh, and wait, where are we? couple of cool things the i like that the uh the eagle or the fly the hawk that flies around with him mm-hmm. like i didn't realize those things could set stuff on fire yeah star eagles yeah they're lighting stuff on fire also the wings are crystal they mm-hmm. are i mean they always look like it in the pictures but you're like you yeah, know it's crystal that you 
needle fly with it's you know, like crystallized light. Yeah, it's what it really is. it's. I like the description because I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. That's kind of neat. Yeah, um, we've covered that in other books too, where the night venators and the zeroses like try to cut people and slash around with their wings. Right, right. No, it's. I just I thought it was pretty cool. Um, but that's you know chapter one set up the story. Now, oh look, she's totally tough. The two of them wipe out a whole bunch of stuff. They didn't wait for backup. They're tough. They killed all these things. They got the mark. But, oh, guess what? You're cursed. Now we can set our story in motion. Mm-hmm. And that brings us into Chapter 2. So, um, Black Talon is reforged, and she is taking time to center herself before returning to work. Um, they all do this after the reforging. They kind of get used to themselves. There's a couple of interesting things in here. There's an interesting discussion in this chapter on reforging after uh, Nave and Tarion meet up. Uh, um, also, she is a hero among the Stormcast. She is the only one that can win shift. They are superstitious about when you come back, about people with new new powers and new things. So she's a bit of, he says she's a bit of a talisman to them. You know, she's like almost like a lucky charm because she's look. She's come back with this amazing thing she can do. You know, uh, we also meet Lord Aquilor Dynastus. He's very terse. Um, you know, he's he's a no nonsense sort of sort of guy. And they're all going to Fort Vigilance because it has gone silent. Um, I don't know if that's the place from the prologue or not. At this point, I kind of thought it might have been, but Fort Vigilance has gone silent. I think it is. Yeah. And they're going to see why what's happening. And then suddenly the visions are messing with her uh, again. In fact, yeah, at the end of the chapter, um, she the, this this vision that she had during her reforging like hits her in a wave again, and she just collapses. So, um. I like that they take the moment to center themselves. Um, can we talk about some of this, the talk about life in the realms? Because they, they do spend a bunch of times talking about life in the realms and some of the uh, unmentioned parts of being reforged I thought was pretty cool in here. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about the market traders and the people, you know, the, the, the normal, the free guild people who are going around. They went about their simple lives while z- zodiacal god beasts and mystic constellations wheeled above them and warrior demigods watched over their every move. Neve supposed that one could get used to anything given time. So you guys, how they're looking down at these people, like they, they're doing all these epic mystic battles and these people just live in their day-to-day lives, you know? Mm-hmm. The, the realms are huge. You're not always under attack. The Sigmar and his people aren't everywhere. Um, and then she gets over there, and she's like, wow, you don't even realize how much death is all around you. You're just living your life. Um, and then they talk about the reforging process. And she's like, you know, she talks about her muscles, how they're new and they feel the same. You know, they feel familiar, even though this is a whole new body she's been forged. It feels like her, but she knows it isn't. Mm-hmm. Um just weird little conversations like that. Um, what else? You know, you're adjusting new body, new senses, yet it's all the same. The familiarity of the unfamiliar. Uh, um, 
I remember denting my helm the first time I tried to pick it up, compensating for an old injury that I no longer suffered from and using strength I didn't know I had. So I was just like, oh, that's kind of cool. Now, Tarion has been reforged five times and Black Talon nine. Um, and at first when I read that, I thought, I'm like, damn, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like a lot, doesn't it? I mean, especially since in the early books, some guys are coming back after the second one like weird. Yeah, but if you think about it, their job is to put themselves to the fire. Well, right, but you try not to die. I mean, remember there's that one whole group that if you don't kill at least 12 really good enemies. Yeah, the Tempest Lords. Right. Um, but still, you try not to die, but these are the guys that are sent into the fire on like almost suicide missions, really. Yeah. But I also thought about it, and it's been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. I mean, these guys have been out fighting for a long time when we get to this point, aren't they? I think so. I mean, think about, I mean, this is post-Alarial coming back. Mm-hmm. And think about all the fighting that went on when they were just looking for her. I mean, it was, it's not like all this stuff happened in days. Every time we pick up a new section, it's like, oh, hundreds of years have passed. You know, that thing finished. You know, the Realmgate Wars took quite a while. And this is after that, isn't it? I think so. I mean, we're talking the- hundreds and hundreds of years. So nine reforgings in that long, not so bad. I mean, she might not have been around that long. That's what I'm, but that's what I'm kind of trying to figure out. Yeah, because it does. I mean, every time we read these stories, when you start to mention the amount of time, dude, there's big chunks of time are passing in here. Yeah, and I think that's the intention is that it's not supposed to nail down anything. Uh huh. So you're supposed to get like an approximation of when this happens. I think that's the intention with most of their writing. Right, but I'm just thinking it's not as bad. It's not like she's only been. It's not like they've. It's not like the. Uh, it's not like Sigmar took the first realm gate with uh, Hammerhand like three years ago. Like that's right. That's hundreds of years ago at this point that that happened. Mm-hmm. So I just oh, I guess nine isn't that bad when you look at all of that. Yeah, and she's got nine because she's right in the cl- in the thick of it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, I thought that was pretty cool, and that's really. Um, kind of all I really want to wanted to cover in this chapter because this is like literally she she kind of topples over and then chapter three starts with her vision so yeah was, uh, so she has another vision and it's the burning village and like eyes in the darkness calling to her mm-hmm. uh, and then she wakes up out of it and she cold cocks Tarion before she knows what's happening just out of reflex I guess well, plus this, um, this this vision was sort of frightening. I think when she woke up, there was that sense of danger with those things, those eyes staring at her and stuff. Yeah. So, and he's concerned about like how many times that she's come back, and it's like, are you okay? Is there something wrong? Um, because it's clear that there's something wrong because Stormcast just don't faint. Um, and she right. eventually like tells him, it's like I've had these this vision, um, but doesn't tell him anything specific about it because she doesn't understand it herself and she doesn't want to pers- you know like show that flaw like there's something wrong with me that I've got these visions because she doesn't want to be treated differently mm-hmm. um, or ruin that friendship that the two of them have um, and she 
starts to think about it, and if she thinks about it too much, it like threatens to overwhelm her. She gets dizzy again. Um, so this is a little more like building that relationship between these two characters. Um, and then there is some discussions of Sigmar's wars from the eyes of the frontline troops, like how they perceive everything, a little bit like what we had talked about already. Mm-hmm. Um, now she's convinced that she's got some sort of curse because the words of Zelchin or Zelkin are still like in her mind. Um, and if it turns out to be from chaos, then she's ready to die um, to either figure out what it is or just to be gone. And I think they also talk about like how you get sequestered by the uh, sacrosanct because the sacrosanct are also essentially like, I think they're like policing the Stormcast as well for the ones that come back a little too flawed because yep. they're part of the process of the reforging. So they, she doesn't want to stop fighting. She doesn't want to stop or be taken out of her chat, out of her uh, oh, right. command. Mm-hmm. So, She's trying to, like, hide it, but at the same time, the only person she's really, like, talked to about it is Tyrion at this point. Mm-hmm. And I, I like this part, because she literally comes out and says, I'm not playing, well, they're not playing the pronoun game. She's also not playing the, um, you know, the secret game. She literally says, I'm not some idiot character in a children's tale who refuses to name what ails them till it's too late. You know, she's like, I'm not keeping this from you. I don't know what it was. When I figure it out, I will happily tell you. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, and, the, and their friendship is there where he's like, okay, cool. He's like, all right, that, that's, uh, that, that's good enough for me. I'm, I'm good with, with that. Um, so, I, I, like, I like how they're building up this relationship, and they're not playing stupid games. Because I, I mm-hmm. hate, you know what I mean? I hate the pronoun game. You watch a movie, and then somebody says her, and somebody mistakes who her is, and you know, and then wackiness ensues. I hate that crap. You know, it's just like you know, you could literally just say the person's name and avoid all of this nonsense, and you're doing it on purpose just for the, you know, oh, I hate that crap. So when she literally comes out and says, I'm not doing that, I'm like, oh, good. Um, what's with the holodeck, the future space magic thing? I don't know. When the, the training facilities? Yeah. They've talked a little bit about what, like, the Sigmar album is and all the different things that they have access to. Um, so it's all incorporated by magic, but they can do just about anything. An enchanted structure whose complex orrery could be manipulated to fill the vast space with artificial weather systems, varying levels of light and darkness, and a variety of ensorcelled landscapes ideal for the Stormcast to spar in and to wage mock wars across. The dome could even conjure forth illusory enemies for the vanguard to fight, from howling warriors of chaos and rampaging greenstins to the shambling undead and verminous skaven hordes. And she goes through this. She'd slain hundreds of illusory foes and been sorely wounded more than once by their all-too-tangible bites and blows. So wait a minute. they You can get hurt in the training? Yeah. You yep. need to feel the pain. Yeah, I guess. That's bananas. I kind of like it. But it's the holodeck. It's future space magic. <clears throat> yeah. I love it. Uh, and then, like you pointed out at the end, she's like, look, if I am, and she's thinking to herself, if this is the taint of chaos, I'm ready to die right now. Like, I don't want to spread this. I don't want any part of that. Um, she's kind of tough. I like her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Should we jump into chapter four? Sure. All right. Um, you get a wonderful display of her actual powers, and they are bad ass. She can sense basically everything around her. She knows how many beasts there are. She knows where they are. She's able to filter through the different things. That is a crazy power. She can literally feel the vibrations, the humming, the movement. She can just, like, feel everything around her. It's kind of like using the Force. She reminds Yeah, or like a hyper sonar or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we should also mention that their chamber is being dispatched to investigate uh, the fort and in route they encounter a roving gore herd. Right. And that's what she said. So that's why there's yeah. talking about the beasts and everything. So there's a little bit of like that hammer porn in here um, that we've talked about um, yeah. prior where they go through cutting through gores and minotaurs and everything. <laughs> and she goes after some of them and then the horde starts to come after her and she almost passes out again in the middle of it. Like all mm-hmm. of a sudden that thing threatens to over the vision threatens to overwhelm her again. This is becoming an, a problem. Um, but she manages to get a hold of herself, runs back, and leads them right to all of her friends into their trap. Um, there's more talk of death and reforging, which I do want to cover. Uh, then she goes, she, she knows she's got to go to confront these visions before she dies, because this is in the middle of a fight. She can't have this. Uh, Tarion helps her form a plan. He's going to go away for a few days following some leads, fly off, get permission to go, and he's going to go... Um, you know, talk to his contacts and see if he can't find out where this place in her vision is. And if he can get info about that place. And she's going to wait there for him to come back with the info. Now, that's the plan. Um, where is it that I wanted to... Um, where is... Well, if you have anything, because I'm looking for something that I lost. So here we go. So if you've got anything you wanted to cover for this chapter, go Uh, ahead. So I think the biggest thing that isn't talked about is what a Hammer of Sigmar is. Um, Their character flaw is the search for perfection, um, for being the best at all times. So for her to have a flaw, it offends her personally, but also on, like, on a deeper level, it's like they're defined as being the best. So for them to have a problem that mm-hmm. is really chafing to them on like a more than a personal level. Right. Um, yeah, and in fact, I even wrote this when, and this is at the end, I'm going to come back to the thing I want to talk about, but when he when he knows she's got an issue and she's, she's thinking of just taking off to go, do this to go find out what this problem is. She doesn't want to talk to the Lord Aquilor. She doesn't want to talk to her superiors. She doesn't want people to think she's cursed. She needs to figure this out and find out what's happening first. And she's kind of freaking out about it. And he comes in, and I love this part. It says, uh, Neve, he said, interrupting her. He removed his helm, and she felt her heart lurch at the honest sympathy and loyalty she saw in his expression. Tell me what you need. And this type of positive, you, you don't see this. In a lot of these stories, not often enough that it's that camaraderie, that kinship, that friendship where it just he's like, look, I I trust you. Just tell me what you need me to do. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we get a lot of these stories, especially someone like her who does a lot of her stuff solo and does her thing to have that sort of 
camaraderie and companionship, I think, is something we haven't seen as much of, or at least not sort of that personal in in some of these other stories. And that's not to take anything away from the other stories. I just these those little moments really hit me. Um, but oh, but the part I want is this pseudo romantic? Do you think? I don't know. I actually wrote down in the last chapter, and I have it written here. Um, and I think, well, maybe it was in the last chapter because I, I didn't mention it because we were kind of going through it. But I asked, are they like Astartes? Are they asexual? Because it seems more like friendship than anything, I guess. But you can never be. I mean, I don't know. Um. Well, the the thing is, it's like you spend so much time putting yourself at risk with people. Um, you that relationship can sometimes develop into something more. I mean, if they're humans still at the end of the day, but then I don't know, has Sigmar burned that out of them? Yeah, I'm not certain. In fact, this is back. I think in chapter was chapter two here. Uh, Neve supposed Tarion had been handsome in his life before. Now there was an otherness to him, to all of them that Sigmar had raised up, that made even his affable grin somehow unsettling and dangerous. So that I guess that you know, it's like you know, I suppose he had been handsome, but now it, she doesn't. You know that. It's like they don't think of themselves that way. Like even just normal attitude seems a little off, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I was reading it. I was wondering the same thing. Are they are they just comrades in arms or are, or are there chances? Because I don't think we've seen anything about romances springing up between Astartes. Have we? No. No, not to my knowledge. Okay. Like Stormcast is still fairly new. I understand that they're super comparable to Astartes with the Space Marines, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It's just it's a whole new thing because these are characters that are more human than the Astartes are mm-hmm. initially. So, but um, back after they killed off that that little gore herd, they're piling up the bodies and they're talking about stuff. And he says, I remember our first campaign, how horrified I was when I saw comrades falling and how relieved I was to see them again. And she's like, it's not death, though, is it? And he's like, well, what do you call it? I don't know. You don't see our enemies raising from the beyond to bring the fight to us again and again, do you? Our souls don't die, just our bodies. Ergo, not dead. That's the gift we got. And so he actually asks if that doesn't cheapen their sacrifice, when they're willing to sacrifice themselves because they know they come back. I've died in his name several times now. I've felt my soul leave my shattered mortal remains and race back to the heavens. I've been reforged, certainly, but I still gave my life, and with each self-sacrifice, I've lost a little more of myself. Memories, thoughts, feelings, I will not regain. Does it matter so much to you that you did? Isn't duty enough without this sense of martyrdom? Well, of course, you know, but this whole conversation is a really good conversation i love hearing them talk about this stuff because even they don't really know what the heck is going on with themselves mm-hmm. they just know that this is happening to them um there's really and th- this is for me where the book really shines because the rest of it kind of rolls along and uh, you know it's it's your it's your typical adventure story I mean, she's pretty cool, and she does some neat things, and there's some cool parts. But this is this is this is where the story shines. I think personally. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to do chapter five and then take a break? Sure. Uh, so Tyrion is flying around, and he's going to 
the City of Secrets, which is Excelsis. Um, and we've talked about that before with, obviously, the book the City of Secrets. Um, they do mention the White Reaper, which is the Lord Veritant that uh, kind of, like, commands everything. But he goes up to the observatory of the Eldritch Council, so that's uh, your lore masters, your archmages, your high elf lords. Um, he meets up with Lord Castellan, Martorus Skywarden, um, and he knows he's coming. Um, Martorus does because, or Martorus does because he's been warned. It's like you've got somebody coming to see you, and he makes him wait. Um, to like recover his strength and rest a little bit. He meets one of the seers um, and gets introduced to the Cognus Celestis in meeting with Skywarden, um, which is kind of like a orrery type thing. It's how they perceive prophecy um, and trading in secrets and like what knowledge is, but it's also, it's like, you also have to go through the process of, okay, so you knowing what's going to happen or what's going on will have its own consequences. Um, so, and it's, the Celestis is kind of like a Palantir with a memory. It's like an entrapped being um, inside of this cage. I don't, like, it sounded almost like a penumbral engine um, with an entity trapped inside of it. Um, but they talk about like how it's this creature that they've trapped into it and they make it expend that energy. Yeah. This thing is literally in the, the thing in the center is what they call a star moat. It is a fragment of the heart of a celestial monster that Sigmar slew in his first days in the void. It was a thing of deepest night, which drew all knowledge, light and hope into its ever open maw. And it had been driven to madness and ferocity by all the terrible things it knew. And he kills us, and he smashed it, and he put a little piece of this in everything. And it's just crazy. This is a weird thing. It mm-hmm. it actually absorbs all – it's it's almost like it's psychic. If you're near it, it sucks out all your – like, you, you mean, you don't even know what's happening. It knows everything you know if you're close to it long enough. Yeah, it's not necessarily like it removes it, but it just copies it. Right. Um, and only people who know how to get the information out can get to it. So your information is basically safe because, um, when, when Tyrion finds out what this thing is, he's like, wait a minute, this thing literally knows me being here. Now this knows everything I know and you can look at it anytime. That's not cool. And he's like, I actually have to know what I'm looking for or I won't find it. So your, your secrets are safe because I can't just be like, show me his secrets. I have to know what I'm looking for. Um, it's a, it's a crazy thing. I like it because this, and this, you know, covering the book six months after it came out. Oh, look, this is something that Sigmar found back a long time ago and kept it and kept it hidden and secret from everybody. This is just like in forbidden power. It's another one of Sigmar's items he acquired and is now trying to figure out how to u- and using it for whatever means he needs to. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a really cool item, and he does um, – and, like, you did mention the uh, the conversation about knowing what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he, yeah, he warns him, look, if you find this out, you know – There's no going back. 
Right. So, you know, you have to make your whole decision here and decide what you want. I know what you're going to choose, but you still have to choose. Um, obviously, he chooses to get the information. Uh, this is kind of cool. Uh, well, he pulls it out, and it reminds me almost of the pensive because he, he pulls it out of there and then puts it into a little flask and then open it, look in the light, and you'll know what you seek. It reminds you of the pensive from Harry Potter. Like you just pull the memory out and put it into something for someone else to look at. But after he looks, after he's going to look into it, he says, the more valuable or dangerous the information drawn from within the Cognus Celestis, the harder it resists parting with it. I've used this device many times, and I have never, ever seen it lash out to the degree that it did today. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? <laughs> he's like, uh, I think so. And uh, I think that's pretty cool. It, the, the chapter ends, he's going to... You know, he's he's got this thing and he's going to take it with him and, and you know to go and, and look at it. Um, an interesting look into the Eldritch Council and some of the weird magical things that they're doing behind the scenes. Once again, not a part of the story so much as fleshing out this world with some really neat things. Yes. Um, should we take a break then? Yeah, we probably should have been rambling for a little bit now. All right, and then uh, when we come back, we'll we'll get to see his his vision when he when he looks into the light. So we'll be back. Lindsay's Gamer Garrison in Wakanda, Illinois. Wow, that's terrible. But they're not. They carry the full GW range for all your hobby cravings and. Customers get 10% off their purchases every single day at Lindsay's Gamer Garrison. What makes Lindsay so special? Well, there's weekend events for AOS, 40K, Underworlds, Song of Ice and Fire, Star Wars Legions, pretty much every other tabletop game going on, and they've got something there going on almost every weekend. If tabletop gaming is your thing, there's always something happening at Lindsay's. But David, you say, what if I want to support Lindsay's but can't always make it out there? I'm glad you asked. Lindsay's online store makes shopping easy. Just go to lindsaysgarrison.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-S, garrison.com, and fill your cart with hobby goodness. Show listeners. You can enter GH Savings at checkout for extra specials and discounts. And did I mention free shipping for orders over 50 bucks? Because, yeah, there's free shipping for orders over 50 bucks. That's like a book in a box or two boxes. It's so easy. That's Lindsay's. And don't forget, enter GH Savings at checkout at lindsaysgarrison.com. That's Lindsay's Game of Garrison in Wakanda, Illinois. That's horrible. I'm leaving it in. And we are back, carrying on with the story of Black Talon, First Mark. Yep, and this is actually the last chapter in Act 1. Um, chapter 6. So, see, after getting his information, he he's, he goes through it, and he is like, oh, this was, it was unnerving, it was uncomfortable, and as soon as he's done, he goes to find that Swift Talk agent from the prologue. Um, that, that elf is kind of hardcore for an elf too. 
Um, and he's taking yeah, because he didn't fall over at a harsh sneeze. <laughs> Basically, he made it out, passed out alive, and he wants to go back and get revenge. Um, he is going to take Tyrion to where he was attacked. Uh, it's got something to do with Black Talon. You know that if they find the watchtower, uh, they find this watchtower from the prologue. They get there, uh, but it is trashed. And not only is it trash, but it all seems to be melded together and weird and spongy like fungus. Like there's literally his friends are like like fused with the with parts of the of the of this watchtower. So it's a really bizarre sort of scene. Um, and then they're attacked by Blight Kings, but they are saved by the Sylvaneth. And after the battle, the Sylvaneth tell them to tell Black Talon to come to them and do what she's supposed to do. Um, Black Talon is getting tired of waiting for Tyrion, by the way. Um, there's another discussion of reforging and the bad side effects and some of the Stormcast Eternals little fears that are happening. Another cool conversation. Um She's thinking she's going to start lighting out if he doesn't get back soon. And, of course, unfortunately, he gets back. He gives her all the info, and he wants to tell the commander, but they don't have any proof about what he went out and found. And they don't have any proof that she's not tainted and having a problem. So she's like, oh, we really can't tell the boss. And he's like, but we should tell the boss. And she's like, you're right. We should tell the boss. Uh, you know, I don't. And But I'm going to go anyway. I'm going to go, and I'm not going to tell the boss. And I don't want you to get in trouble. So she sucker punches him and knocks him out. And uh, while he's out, she takes off. And um, that is the general thrust of Chapter 6. That description of the elf place is kind of creepy and gross. Yeah, and especially when you consider, like, Greenfire, I wasn't sure if that was... Zinch, because that is a spell, or was a spell for them, was a green fire of Zinch. Um, and then you open with the battle with the Zinch sorcerer, and then you're attacked by Blight Kings and this massive monstrosity that looks like it's whip-stitched together. Um, I almost thought it was an A-bomb or something like that. I was kind of certain it was. I thought this was... Uh, Skaven at first until the Blight King stuff showed up because the green fire and stuff. Yeah, there is some so, mention of it later. I think it might have been actually at least in the first attack. Yeah, but regardless, uh, so they have they're fighting off this weird monstrosity with the Blight Kings. That's like this amalgamation of parts and pieces stitched together. Um, and the Sylvaneth that rescue them are Dreadwood Sylvaneth. Oh yeah, um, the Tarian can recognize them based on their markings um, of which glade they're from. So, and for those that are not familiar with Dreadwood, these are the terror agents of Sylvaneth. They are the ones that have gone really close to the edge. Um, and a lot of what they involve with is fear and kind of that darker aspect to the Sylvaneth. Yeah. Um, what else in here that I wanted to discuss? Um Oh, do, do Stormcast need to eat or sleep? I think they do. I'm just wondering because uh, part of at bottom of eighty nine here it says because they're they're out traveling right a day or more turned out to be almost three. Tarion was forced to travel at Thindril's pace for the elf was still not fully recovered from his wounds and as a mortal being he required food, water, and sleep. 
And I'm like, so wait, they don't? I mean, I thought they ate. I thought they, you know, maybe they don't need it as often. They can kind of turn it off, but. I think they need to eat as a, at a point um, because they do have a lot of mentions of them eating um, and like grand feasts and stuff upon celebrations. So, like they do eat, um, but I think it's similar. I hate to say it to the Adeptus Astartes where they can go a prolonged time without food or water. Gotcha. Or rest. Gotcha. Um, Let's jump to page 104 and 105 real quick. They're talking about the casualties. And, the, you know, and once again, those that have fallen will be reforged soon enough. But at what cost? You've seen the sign, same of all. Reforging isn't the perfect resurrection. They told us it was. And people are like, hey, watch it. And he's like, hey, what do you what do you want? There are stories that things are, you know, weird. Um, and, she, and she does black talents like, you know, yeah, you can ask questions, but. We were, there's no room for failure, and doubt makes us weak. And this one guy, Hammerfist, says, so does ignorance. He pulled a skinning knife from his boot, held out his bare palm, and ran the blade quickly across it. He turned his hand over and squeezed. They all saw the crackling sparks that fell amidst his trickling blood. Only since my last reforging, he said, happens every time I'm cut. Don't try and tell me that's normal. And I'm just like, oh, wow, you know? Mm-hmm. And you get this sort of, they're saying, now they're talking about other things. Hammers come back without the power of speech, sealed into their armor. Hammers that aren't out but armor, aren't out but armor with the storm's energy inside. Voices made of thunder. And someone asked, what if it's chaos? Like, what if, the, what if this is a problem? And, you know, Neve jumps in and starts talking about Vandus, the, the hammer hand and stuff like that. Do you really believe Sigmar and all his infinite wisdom and compassion would allow the reforging process to become flawed? And I'm like, become flawed? Or that he'd let matters deteriorate in that fashion if it was? Talk of taints and visions, you lessen yourselves. I, I don't know if she really believes this or not. I think it's denial and trying to not go down that rabbit hole in mm-hmm. herself. So I think she's projecting like an outer strength to give herself strength to challenge her own thoughts. Yeah. Well, I know that one guy, that hammer fist, says to his friend, hey, look, don't ever let me come back wrong. I don't care how. If I go that way, deal with me and don't let me come back anymore. I don't want to come back wrong. And that's, again, this is this is where this book shines stormcast having legit these are just legit soldiers having real conversations you know other soldiers are afraid of dying it's like i'm not afraid of dying but i'm kind of afraid of what's happening to me every time i do and that's cool to see that doubt and that 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 niggling bit of fear um you know and i i don't like you don't you don't i'm not saying i don't like that in my heroes because i think it's important that a good hero has that at least a, a healthy sense of danger you know what i'm saying yeah um it it makes them more relatable obviously far more than the the armored demigods that we met during the realm gate wars you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and uh but i think also we're looking at it from a different time period um 
the armored demigod thing like that has evolved and like eroded away. It's still a demigod, but it is now more showing the flaws. And I don't know if that's the time that has passed since their reintroduction into the realms, but right. Um, right before the end of the act, there's not an actual chapter. There's just a mark of Nurgle. And mm-hmm. this is we made Lord Unglegot. Lord Unglegot. He's been gifted by Nurgle with awareness of all living things. Um, this is a crazy... Now, that, that description doesn't quite do it justice. I compare it to, if you've ever played Vampire the Masquerade, he can basically fleshcraft anything. Yes. He can take any living creature and change it, twist it, move it, turn it into what he wants it to be without killing it. Uh, that's pretty much seems to be kind of parts of what happened on the Elven Watchtower. He's um, He's got Skaven bringing him back living things to work with. They're supposed to go there and bring living things back for him. Um He's kind of pissed. This is an interesting thing. This is where he starts talking about, you guys were supposed to not cause issues. You were supposed to go bring me flesh, you know, bring me living creatures that I can work with and not be obvious about it. And um, he's like, green fire, people are finding stuff all mixed and twisted together. This is really the opposite of don't be obvious about it. And he's pretty mad. Um, but this, you get to see, this is this is all starting to, you know, be connected here. Mm-hmm. And it's nice at the very end of Act One, we uh, we don't even get a chapter number. We just get the symbol, and we get to see a quick glimpse of our villain right here at the end of Act One. Yep. Um, anything else that you wanted to? No. All right, so we're going to move into Act Two. We've got the now we've laid out our plot. We've got our complication. We've got a villain. We've got people on the search for the Sylvaneth who want her to be there. Everything's sort of on the roll, and then we get to uh, we get to have the uh, the excitement of, of the the next act and the actual getting the plan together. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to you want to grab Chapter Seven? Sure. Uh- uh, so Blackwall or Black Talon, she goes AWOL, um, and she knows she has to get to Gyran to the Realm of Life, um, and the best to do that is through a realm gate in the Realm of Fire in a volcano, um, and this is manned, I believe, by dispossessed and or Caradron overlords um, that guard over the realm gate, and essentially how you have to move through this is to do the swan dive. Um, into the volcano to go through the gate. It reminded me of uh, the Maw Gate in the Realm Gate Wars, the one that's in the mouth of the giant worm. Right. Yeah. So essentially, like, she has to take a running leap of faith into this active volcano um, to then transport into the lush, verdant uh, realm of life. Um, So she dives through... And on the other side, she then takes off again in search of the Sylvaneth to try to find the answers. She knows kind of who she's looking for, but not 100%. Um, And as she's running through, she hears uh, the sounds of battle, and she goes towards it. And it's a girl uh, writing something 
it's like a gigantic insect um, being attacked by Skaven. Um, and obviously you see Skaven, these are creatures of chaos, they're attacking a human. Um, I need to go in and defend. So she sprints in, hacks the Skaven to tiny bits. Um, and when she tries to talk to the girl riding the bug, um, the girl essentially like does the Wonder Woman, clanks her wrists together and blasts her with some sort of like green magical blast. Um, and essentially just sends her flying backwards. Yep. Um, and this is weird because we've not seen a non-tainted human attack a storm cast. Because right. I always revere them as like these gods, these divine protectors in a way. But now you have someone who's actively attacking a Stormcast, let alone somebody like Maeve. Right. Uh, which is a nice end of the chapter. This girl turns around and just blasts her with her... With her... Uh, with Gauntlets, her yeah. branches, yeah. Um, there's... Now, I got a question. Is that a one-way realm gate? Because I, if I jump I in on the so, Gyran and... Yeah, I mean, I just kind of pictured it as like a target in the middle. Of, you got an, a live, active volcano, and there's a realm gate in there. You gotta gotta hit the target when you dive in, right? You got it. But so, what happened if you jump in from the other side? Like, do you come flying out? Because I'm just curious as to how you get out if you come back this that way. It could be like because that would like- be hysterical if you just get launched straight up, and you just better hope you land on the edge of the volcano. Mm. Otherwise, you kind of do that perpetual. Thing, like you jump through a portal only to jump through another portal only to jump through the same portal yep. because you can't clear the portal so you just kind of like perpetually spring back and forth <laughs> until you get going so quickly you go flying out again or I don't know it's just it's one of those weird things that I just didn't you, think about it until right now I'm like how do you get back into that for, I mean it, that's got to be a one way portal uh, or otherwise it just seemed weird yeah but all the realm gates are Two way, right? But I'm just saying, how do you? I mean, when you come through, what do you do? I mean, um, I'm, I'm certain that the the Duarden have some way to come grab you and bring you out, you know. But it just seemed it seemed weird to me. That's all. Yeah, it's okay. Um, yeah, that's that's basically that's the whole chapter. It's a, and it's another. Oh look, um, someone's attacking someone. I'm gonna jump in and save them. Yeah. Except there's not a lot of gratitude there. No, you just get, you know, blasted. Um, yep. So it's interesting. Yep. That actually kind of made me laugh when I read it. I'm like, oh, okay. That, that, I, didn't, I didn't expect that. So far, this has been pretty by the numbers. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like I said, I, I am I'm enjoying this book for certain elements. But as you put, you felt sort of indifferent because the actual, you know, hunting down your thing is... I mean, I've read it before, so should we jump into chapter eight? Probably should. Yeah. So Black Talon gets uh, knocked on her butt, but quickly subdues the girl. Uh, her name's Catalia Morn, and her mount is named Keto. I think it's Keto, unless it's Keto, but I thought Keto only had one T. Uh, apparently, I'm sure it's Keto because you know this is Age of Sigmar, not Ninth Age. Mm-hmm. Ah, got you. Oh. <laughs> It's Keto and his brother CrossFit. Um, Apparently, the Knights Excelsior killed this girl's people. They lived around this realm gate. Yeah. And 
so she doesn't think that the Stormcast are any different than the Skaven or the Sylvaneth or the Chaos. I mean, that's why she turns on the blood. Like, You're not here to kill me? Like, you know, great, you stopped them. That doesn't make you my friend. Uh, she wants nothing to do with Black Talon. Uh, but Keto won't leave. He won't leave without her. Um, she literally calls him a traitor a couple of times in the story because she's like, oh, she won't leave. Uh, this beast kind of understands that she's important and won't, won't isn't going away from her. Um, they are both hunting the same quarry, and they should probably team up. At least that's what the the, the insect seems to realize because he w- won't leave. That he's not going to leave. He's going to keep them together. They form a bit of a fragile alliance and move on. And as they decide to move along, um, Black Talon passes out again. So um, the most important thing here is just. Uh, you are, you know, I'm I'm sorry. You're not sorry. You don't know Sky Knights, Sigmar's Killers. What do you know of us? You're no better than the rats. That's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, and then she tells, I mean, she, I love, like, Neve is making excuses. You know, the shaman said the gods sent you. They celebrated your coming. Then the white knight, white Sky Knights came. They called themselves the Excelsior. They answered the Shrike's welcome with lightning and steel. They drove them from their homes around the gate of the gods. They killed them all. That's what you do. You kill. And she's like, they don't know anything about restraint. If the tribe held a realm gate, they'd been ordered to capture. If there were signs that tribe had been worshiping dark gods. You know, but the hammers are different. Knights, hammers, whatever you call yourselves, it doesn't matter. You're no better than the blood screamers or the rusted ones or the ratkin filth. All killers all seek to take our freedom. It's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. This is the interesting part. Yeah, this is the part of the this is the part of this that is where I really enjoy. Uh, this is the parts I really enjoyed about this book. Um, that's really you know that's um, that's actually a pretty important setup here for this for this thing. Um, that she just hates them all, but just to see the fear or and or hatred keep coming across in several books um, about how the people feel about, especially the Knights Excelsior and those guys by the City of Secrets. Um, it's it's interesting. I really, it's kind of not what you expect. You think everybody because in a lot of these books, the people who are fighting alongside, like in Soul Wars, they see them and they're like, "Oh yeah, Stormcaster here," you know. Hi, my lord. Let's get this going. Like they, but then it's like, no. Well, no. Not everybody thinks that. In fact, that seems to be almost the exception. Um. All right, chapter nine. I'm going to grab this one really quick. Uh, Tyrion is basically forced to tell the Lord Aquilor what happened. He got knocked out. He wakes up. She's gone. He's got a. He's got a. You know, a bruised face. He's got to tell her what's up. They decide they're going to go after Black Talon, both to help her and to bring her home for judgment and punishment because she abandoned her post, and that ain't cool. And she might have had the best reason on the planet. No, you still don't get to do that. Um, cut back to Black Talon. She wakes up, and Kat's there with her because, once again, Keto would not leave her. Again, she calls him a traitor for not leaving her. Uh, Black Talon owes Kat, and she tells her how you know she can't imagine her loss and she you know she feels bad um cat asks if sigmar didn't take her from her tribe and she's like yeah this is a cool part she says i can't fathom your loss of all your people she goes 
didn't Sigmar take you from your tribe, like, after they'd all been wiped out? Like, that, it's interesting that, again, the common people know the stories of where the Stormcast came from. Those stories have circulated around over, and, and of course they probably would know. It's been hundreds of years again. Mm-hmm. You know, you're certain some Stormcast have talked to some humans. Some humans have to kind of have some idea what's going on. And he's like, didn't he take you from your tribe? And, you know, um, what we find is Cat wants to be Stormcast, and Black Talon asks her why. And she gives a really interesting answer, which we will cover in a minute. Um, and as they're eating, Black Talon senses that their enemies are coming and they need to flee. As they flee, they go into the forest, and Black Talon hears the Sylvaneth in her head telling her, Welcome home. So we're getting things moving here. Um, once again, the just this girl, Cat, just has a very strong idea of who the Stormcast are. And and what what kind of things happen? Now, what did you think of her answer when when Black Talon asked her why she wanted to be a Stormcast if she didn't like them all of that stuff? I thought this was a great answer. Do you know what I'm talking about here? Yeah, no, I know. If you want to read that one, oh, okay. Um, it's the way of the realms. Without a god, you're weak. You're prey. With a god's blessing, <laughs> look at you. Look at the Swamp King. To become strong, you choose a god and win their blessing, no matter what the price. Mourn tribe should have learned that sooner. And she really doesn't um, like this. And she even asked him, are you, are you really trying to kill the Swamp King, or are you just looking for a death worthy of, you know, being that last man standing and getting grabbed by Sigmar? And um, she doesn't answer. Um, it's, there's a lot of depth to this little girl that's mm-hmm. going on here. Um, they're working together, but you can see she she's looking for some purpose and some meaning other than struggling and surviving. Um, she's also got a lot of revenge in her heart. It's almost like, and this is going to sound weird, but it's like when you see other characters fall um, to either a god of chaos or to even like necromancy, like trying to find that purpose to then invite the corruption of one of the fell gods or whatever it is. So it's that same sort of setup. It's like, I need to pick a god that best suits with me and just go with it. Um, so it's like a very nihilistic view almost. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a very. It's a, I think she would describe that as a realistic view, though. Hey, this is how this is how the world works. This is what I've seen of the world. It's terrible. It's sad. Um, there is one little part of this that I love. Um, Neve is talking about Nurgle, the plague god, and she goes, "Nurgle is he the god of the Swamp King? That's right. It's in his name that the Swamp King does what he does. Then he's even a." Bigger Kathakta than your Sigmar. Once we deal with the Swamp King, we'll kill him next. And ne- Neve actually laughs at that. This girl does not know what she's talking about. But boy, is she brave. Listen, after we kill the Swamp Thing, we'll go after Nurgle himself. Let's get this guy. I love it. It's fantastic. Um, yeah. Yeah, and that's when they're, now they're running, and that's when we get into uh, Chapter 10. Yeah, so they take off. Um, and they're being pursued by 
troops that are clearly clans pestilence. They've got a plague furnace. You can smell them. You can hear their bells and their gongs, and they can't stand against that, so they have to run. And Black Talon is like, you have to keep up with me. Um, it's like, well, Keto can do it, and it's like, okay, well, you can try. So, like, there are times where she's tempted to take off without her, um, but she feels that responsibility that she, like, slows herself down. Um, so they keep running, they go down over a waterfall, and they keep heading to a point, and it, they run until they're cornered. They're up against the cliff, they have nowhere to go, that they have to turn and fight, knowing that they're going to be facing death, and it's like, well, Cat's like, well, if I'm going to die, then maybe Sigmar will raise me up again, and let me come back and take my revenge. So, she's already stuck on that, and Black Talon's like, no, you don't want that. That's not what <laughs> no, no kidding. Um, so the pestilence attack them. Uh, they have to deal with their poison, and you can actually see it like affect Keto. Like his uh, exoskeleton starts to erode, uh, cat collapses, and Blacktailon is doing okay because she's got that improved constitution. Um, but it's the point that she's slowing down, that she can't keep fighting, and then the Sylvaneth show up. Yep. And they wipe out the rats um, and send them running, and it's Dreadwood Sylvaneth. Yep, that um, one that seems up, like that might be the messenger is the one here, because talking yeah. in that same weird sort of way that almost The old weird English. sing-songy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds, yeah, very Middle English, very uh, Chaucer or Milton-esque. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they take the two of them that we know of, and they leave the scene after they've slaughtered the Skaven. Mm-hmm. And this one is pretty straightforward. It's just, it, this is all run and gun. It's just run, 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 run till we're cornered. And this girl proves her bravery. Oh, she's plenty brave. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also the realization that she's terribly human. Oh, yeah. Um... I guess that leads us to chapter 11. This one's a little yeah. bit longer. Yeah, the chapter 10 is like that bit of action before, like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of story here in chapter 11. Yeah, let me get, I'll run through the brief summary and then we can hit on some of the cool parts. Uh, Black Talon awakens. She's in the Sylvaneth stronghold. It's basically like a prison cell equivalent. Um, she just drops and meditates while waiting. There's nothing else to do. She's sort of recharging. That's sort of Space Marini, in, in my opinion, again. Um, they bring Cat in. She tries to get out. She's smashing onto the, onto the you know, because the, basically the wall just opens up. You know, it's not so much a door as the, the branches all sort of pull back. She's trying to get out. She's smashing on the branches, cutting up her hands. They're arguing over the value of trying to escape. Um, then Ithari, the Sylvaneth handmaiden, takes Black Talon to see Wytha? Or is it Wytha? I think it's Wytha. Wytha. Um, Wytha tells her that it's Sigmar's imperfect conjurations that have clashed with the Dreadwood magic and done this to her. Um, then she walks up and basically touches her and kind of that magic that's inside that's messing with her comes to the forefront. 
and she can see the real truth. And if she was the child, she was saved by the Sylvaneth and raised as one of them. She learns to hunt. She hunts for her own survival. If she wants to eat, she's got to hunt. Uh, she's raised as a huntress. She's raised as a weapon. She pledges herself to a lariel. As a child, you know, as, as a young kid in the forest, uh, she becomes one of them. She's the last one standing when they first... Now, they've attacked Lord Unglegot before. Um, and in her vision, she was in there in the battle, and she is the last one standing when the when uh, their attack on his fortress fails. Um, and Sigmar takes her right before she dies. Um, it's interesting. Uh, with... We said Witha? Witha. Witha. says it wasn't her mark that did this. It was Sigmar's magic that conflicted with it to the point where it started tearing her apart and messing with her. So that's an interesting thing, too, that the, the magic Sigmar uses to make the Stormcast, um, you know, it tries to squash all this other stuff, but this other magic that she's already got with her is m- making much trouble for her. Um, she says her debt died when she died. Look, I, yeah, I promised to kill this guy, but you know, or, or die trying, but I died. And she's like, um, you're not dead. You never really died, did you? So you still owe us. This is your, the, the, and there we have a title, ladies and gentlemen. There is her first mark, was Lord Unglegot, and she never got him. Um, Weetha also has some super weapon that will kill everything around it, but she needs. Black Talon to help her get it there to the heart of the fortress, and she wants Black Talon needs to be the one that sets the bomb off, or the weapon, whatever it is. Uh, Black Talon finally agrees, as long as Cat and Keto can come too. And um, then we get another one of these chapters, we get another Nurgle symbol, and guess what? There's flies there in the forest at the meeting, and Lord Unglegot knows everything now that we know. And so he's going to set a trap for them, and he just is going to take their weapon from them. That's his plan. Um, there's sort of a lot there that's going on because this is the end of this is the end of Act Two, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, there's a bit in here where it's like, so Wytha is a branch witch. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the one with the scythe. She's the one that reaps the lamentary and re-sows it. And as they're walking into her throne room, like she's attended by tree lords and everything. And like a branch, which I think to this point hasn't been played up as like a being of import in the mm-hmm. Sylvaneth, um, because she's essentially the leader of this glade right now. Right. Um, because normally it would like to fall to like a tree lord ancient or whatever, um, but she's in charge. And it's just interesting to see, Trelars were you know, like defer to a branch witch, um, and that she has this much power um, seems really odd to me. Uh, unless she's kind of old, she could be old and just have gathered a lot of power. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I think know. there's something missing about her. Oh, I'm certain there is. You know, that this is the stuff that you start to see at the end of the story, where it's like there's more going on here than we're than we're finding out even. This mm-hmm. is a small part of a much bigger plan. Um, and this is one of the things I kind of like. One of the things I like about this story is that, you know, now that Forbidden Power and stuff has come out and some of the landscapes changed a little bit, where what's happening? Where is this going to come up? Is this going to be some sort of a, a thing? Um, if throughout this part, before she gets that touch and she unlo- unlocks her visions so she can see what actually was happening, 
Uh, even here, she's on her on her hands and knees. She's collapsing over. I, you know, she's struggling to speak and all of this. And she's like, "You quit fighting." She's like, "You're trying to subdue this to to lock it out to master it, and it's only being subdued because of what you are. You can't stop it." Hell, let me help you let it out, and then at least you'll see it, and you'll know what it is, and you'll be able to cope with it and deal with it. Um, yeah, and that's when you get the whole—that's when you get the whole vision. Uh, in fact, she comes out of it for a minute, or she starts to come out of it, and she goes right back into the rest of the vision to make sure she gets it all. And so now she's got to kill the kill Lord Unglegot. So that's that's. Uh, that's where we're at at the end of Act Two. She literally, now she knows the truth. Now we have to go um, to, but we shouldn't finish the chapter without talking about Lord Uncle God's fortress. Yeah, that the devoted Sigmar player in me was really upset, really upset as to what this is. Um, so the fortress itself is actually a living being. Um, it's a warrior priest that Ungle got infected and did this flesh milled thing to turn into his fortress. So his fortress is essentially inside of a fallen warrior priest that he's using as like ongoing torture. Yeah. So he starts doing the flesh craft on him that we talked about and it won't stop. Like he's new to it and it doesn't work the way he expects it to. So he doesn't just change into this hall. He basically at first just turned him into a like almost like a mead hall, I guess, you know, like a mm-hmm. big but he he didn't just craft part of that went into it and it just kept multiplying him. So he starts getting larger. He becomes a and then they start hammering and nailing wood and metal supports and things into him. Um corridors and chambers were fashioned from arteries, tracts and organs. Uh, the Cornucorpolis had expanded its boundaries ever since, spilling further into the swamps. Um, this thing is over seven miles long. Yeah, it's like a big maggot, essentially, is kind of like how I picture it. Yeah, but it's, it's shaped like a fortress. They've, they've flesh-crafted it into halls and chambers and places. Yeah. So I'm picturing it almost, I mean, like you said, like a castle, a fortress, but made out of seething pulsating breathing flesh this is so gross and so wrong i have not last time i read anything like this was when i read the necroscope series by brian lumley which by the way excellent series of course i haven't read it since i was like 18 so it might be terrible i don't know um but i remember really liking it a lot but they this is just that's crazy it's so gross. It's fantastic, though. It's such a great idea. I started flesh crafting and screwed up and didn't know what I was doing, and now it just keeps growing. <laughs> and he keeps practicing, though, because that's what he says. He's practicing this. He's paying the Skaven to bring him more stuff. I, I was. I actually was wondering if he was using some of these things in flesh crafting and adding on and creating his own little extra things. Within the fortress at first, um, that it wouldn't just be one guy because it's still kind of rumor that it's just one guy. But I was like, oh, so gross. So gross. Um, and that's that's the actual end of chapter or of act two 
is seeing what this what this was and what's going on with it. So, um, you know what? Second break. For sure. I think this is a good time, and we'll come back and, and get into Act 3. Mm-hmm. Finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? Six Squared Studios. Well, then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. We are back, 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 and back, back, and back, 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 chapter 13. No, chapter 12. Yeah, we got to do 12 first. Yeah, probably. You skip a whole chapter, it's going to do something. It better do something to your understanding of the story. But yeah, we're in Act 3 already. Look, it's not going to take us three hours to cover a book. Give it a minute. It's a miracle. All right, chapter 12 and 13. You got these. Yeah, so after um, Black Talon has this audience with Waitha, uh, she comes back and she's she has changed. Like, it's a stronger, clearer version of herself since the magic has kind of, like, settled um, the conflicting ma- magic. Um, and then Kat even notices a difference, and it's like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to try to kill Lord Unglegot without you. So she agrees to work with Black Talon. And Black Talon's like, well, you're going to be coming with me. Because um, I don't, one, I don't trust the Sylvaneth to not kill you. Um, <laughs> but also, I don't want you running off. Because Black Talon still feels like this responsibility to Cat. And it's, again, I don't know if it's the relation, the kind of like the... Responsibility, it's like, well, she's a girl on her own. I was a girl on my own now. So it's feeling that responsibility to Cat to protect her. Yep. Um, so they say, all right, well, let's go and get Uncle Gut. Um, and you get kind of a peek of what Wytha's weapon is. And it's some sort of brass-looking foot-long container that glows with a blue-green light and... Uh, Black talent can like feel it. It's like old magic. Um, That's not good. No. Um, and the whole plan is they're going to attack the weak spot um, in the fortress that 
um, the Skaven have created is they've been bringing stuff in and naturally the Skaven sneak around and create back alleys and everything like that into wherever they're going. Um, so that's how they're going to get in to this otherwise fairly impenetrable flesh fortress. So in route, like the hunters, like the Kronoth hunters scout ahead. Um, and they're going to be at the fortress at dawn seems a little cliche. Um, they encounter some troops, butcher them pretty quickly. Um, and there's this mile long expanse around the fortress that's open ground. Um, so say nobody can sneak up on them. So what Wytha and her branch witches do, or branch witches or wraiths, they start singing. Um, and that's how the Sylvaneth do their magic is through spirit song. And they create this magical shroud to like cover their approach. Um, so, so they can get to the spot in the wall that the Skaven created. Um, and then the job for Black Talon is to sense out Lord Unglegot because of her perception um, and bring them to him so, so they can, one, kill him, but two, also to set off the weapon. Um, and then, according to Wytha, like, she's telling Black Talon, it's like, you don't need Sigmar. You had this power before you, before he reforged you. You just need to focus and think differently. Um, That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. So then she's able to focus on where Unglegot is, um, and it's, again, like the extrasensory perception sort of thing. Um, And then before they make this trek across the expanse, uh, Black Talon makes Cat swear to obey and stay next to her because they can't bring Keto because he's too big. Yeah. Even though they're bringing tree lords and hunters and everything like that. Um, but this bug is just too big. Um, so they make the cross across the expanse. Um, and they get to the breach in the fortress. And when they get there, it looks more like an infected wound versus a hole. So they have to kind of like slime in through the wound. Almost like a splinter um, into an infected wound. Yeah, gross. Which is... Um, so is there anything else in 12 we need to cover before we move on to 13? You know, I don't really think so. The only thing that I had that I thought was interesting was, um, what you've already covered, which is those effects of the reforging and, um, and you know, how Sigmar's stuff is actually hampering her own abilities because they're overlapping and they're, they're, it's, they're messing around, so... Do you think that's why he made her a knight Zephros? What do you mean? Because she already had like so. Knight she was Zephros a huntress. Is, yeah, well, of course. yeah, she was a huntress, but also like she had this kind of like built into her. So did he base the rest of the knight Zephros off of her? Oh, I don't know that she was the first one. I think she was. She might have been. She's a hammer or a Sigmar. She has to be the first one. Oh, well, yeah, maybe. I mean, it, yeah, it's completely possible. So maybe he twisted something that he got from Alarial or Dreadwood or whatever into something he could blueprint 
for the rest of the night, Zephros. That's that's possible. I mean, it's not like we haven't seen recently that he's done that before. Yeah, not at all. I mean, so yeah, that's that's actually a pretty cool. I didn't think about that. That he based all of it off of this 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 girl that he chose. He could have. We don't know, but it's could that have been something? Um, so they bust into the fortress, um, and it's they're not impeded. Um, there's nobody that attacks them or anything like that. Um, so the fortress is a living thing. Um, and she can sense the pain and the madness that this creature is in. Um, she feels like there's a trap, but they can't find it. Right. Um, and so she centers herself, um, and like, does that hard focus on Unglegat? So they start to move through, and then they get attacked um, first with a barrage of death's heads. Um, and what those are, we've kind of talked about them in the Magakin review. Um, it's a decapitated head that's been, like, filled with corpse guts um, and, like, acid. Um, and you throw them, and then they dissolve whatever they splatter on. It's, it's, it's all sorts of wrong. There's a lot of all sorts of wrong in this book. Yeah, and that's Nurgle, though. Yeah, and like I said, I'll give Andy Clark credit where credit's due. He paints a really gross picture. Like, he, he cuts loose with these weird abilities, uh, running between the Skaven and the Nurgle things. Mm-hmm. He is not afraid to be gross with it, and I kind of appreciate that. Yeah. So, obviously, there's trees burning around them. Uh, Neve gets them through the trap, um, and then Unglegut kills the Skaven in charge of the ambush. Um, yeah, he's pissed. Yeah. What do you mean you completely screwed it up? So she's dead now. No. What do you mean she got away? Yeah. So then he goes down into his like menagerie, his collection, and you can hear all the anguish moans and roars of whatever's down there. Um, and he's releasing his pets uh, to go invent their rage. Um, and they push through more defenders um including these creatures that come through and like massacre and rampage through everything. And it's the same kind of thing that we saw with the first creature that they encounter. It's like a, an amalgamation of things. Um, right. His, his, yeah, his pets and his zoo. Yeah. Which we thought were a bombs, which aren't all that dissimilar to a bombs. No. If you think about them. Mm-hmm. Um, so they push past through and then Waitha slips um, with regards to what has to happen with the weapon is that they have to take the weapon to the heart of the fortress in order for it to like be as effective to kill um, all of the fleshlings, as it were. Which is why they need Nave Because she'll die, but then she'll just be reforged. So this weapon is not going to affect Sylvaneth. At right. least that's what Nave surmises. Right. And... So, um... Yeah, that's that's the important thing because she hears that and she's like, "Wait a minute, it's going to kill all the fleshlings," and then she's like, "What do you care? You just be reforged." And she's like, "Yeah, but cat can't." And she's like, "Well, you brought her." It's like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, so it's definitely like the we don't care about human life aspect to the Sylvaneth, right? Because they're lesser. Um, but in any event, so 
Uncle Gut's monsters attack, and they have to fall back because they can't stand against the tide. Um, and they have like, well, we have no way out. But then Cat's like, well, no, I saw some tunnels a bit back. And Blacktown's like, well, how do you know? And she says, well, you've been running your whole life. You look for places to escape. Um, but it's like an artery sort of thing. So they have to like slide down it. Um, but it's too big. It's too small for tree lords and Kurnoth hunters because those are obviously the bigger creatures. So yeah, because I pictured they're crawling hands and knees style to get through this, aren't they? Yeah. So that's where the, that's what they have to do. Um, so it's only the smaller things like the tree revenants, the dryads, um, and obviously uh, Nave, Cat, and Wytha. And then Wytha's retinue carrying the weapon. <sighs> We're going to go through these little arteries. So gross. And the place stinks. It literally says how bad it stinks in this chapter. Mm -hmm. I like uh, another use of her power in this chapter where she sits down and all the noises and all the things and she slowly but surely strips away each layer of them as she's focusing on the one thing she's hunting. She's got a very Qui-Gon Jinn thing going on here at times when she starts doing that focus thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's it. The big, the big, I think, reveal is this is going to kill all living things that are made out of flesh and not wood. Um, so you better just, yeah, you better deal with it. Um, that's like the big thing here. And they're actually forced back finally. It's not just a straight run through. They finally met something that they can't handle, which... It's about time. Mm-hmm. Uh, chapter 14. Uh, they get through the tunnels, and they're even saying, like, well, what are we going to do? It's like, dude, even if they follow us, they literally are coming through one at a time on their hands and knees. We'll kill any, we'll chop off the head of anything that sticks its head out. Um, and uh, we just like, or we just like, uh, how about this? And she just collapses all the tunnels. Um, Neve hears her friends fighting about a mile, a little less than a mile to the east. Uh, she's like, whoa, we've got backup. And, and there's like, nope, um, we're not waiting. They argue over the weapon. It will kill everyone of flesh. Neve is like, no. And she's like, well, but this is your gig. And she's like, you can set it off. I'll get you there. But you got to give me time to get this kid out of here. Uh, if she's going to set this off, Neve's got to get Cat out of there. Uh, she tells her, move fast, because once it's ready, I'm not waiting. So Neve is like, look, I got you far enough. You can get there. I'm taking this kid to safety at this point. Outside, Stormcaster fighting with Skaven and apparently A-bombs. If not A-bombs, then these things that Lord Unglegot made. Uh, Black Talon meets them, tells him exactly what's going on, asks Tyrion to you – know, she wants Tyrion to take her to safety. And he's like, I am. If, if anyone's going to get this kid to safety, it's you. There ain't a person here as fast as you. So she says, "Will you kill Lord Unglegot for me while I get him to safety? Make sure he dies." Uh, the Lord Aquilor, uh, uh, Mister Dana- I almost called him Doctor Dynastus. He says they will get to Lord Unglegot and get rid of him. And if the Sylvaneth bomb takes them out, well, we'll just head back to reforging. But it'll be worth it to take out this monstrosity. Because even they're just looking at you know, even Stormcast or looking at the thing and they're revolted by this building. Um But that's the big thing is that she is connected 
to save this kid. She had sworn to this kid that she will keep her safe. And she's like, uh, it's a great little line. I won't compromise myself for the sake of victory. If we lower ourselves to the level of chaos despots who have ravaged these lands, if we lose sight of the value of every single individual life, then we become no better than Unglegot and his ilk. Come with me. Link your forces to the Shadow Hammers. I'll dispatch two of my finest to escort Catalia to safety, and then I swear I'll fight at your side against any odds. Let us try and defeat. So just this whole idea. And she's like, go, take her. Um, but she's she's got a sense of right and wrong and purpose here, and she's like, I am not giving up on this kid simply because you didn't explain this. You kept this from me. So... Um, is there anything else in this chapter you think we need to hit other than the, I mean, we're, we're getting towards a climax here. They're getting close. No, I think, I think we're okay. All right. So chapter 15. Yep. So this starts with Wytha, um, who is obviously upset that Nave took off, um, and that it was Kat's fault that Kat changed her and that it messed up her plans. Um, so then what she ends up doing is she calls upon the realm roots beneath the forest and they shift and destabilize the whole place. Um, and they fight through to the center of the fortress, which is Unglegat's library. Um, and even one of the branch witches is, uh, like what am I saying? Uh, the whole thing is how appropriate that we destroy the enemy in the place where he feels the safest. Um, but this is the other part of the trap. Um, so Uncle Gods is surrounding them. He's on his massive fly dragon um, that he's created. Um, so he sets his troops to the task of killing the Sylvaneth um, and bringing him the weapon. And he even says, uh, like the reward is like some sort of pox or infestation um, to make them better is what he offers them. Yep. So even that is fairly disgusting, but that's okay. Um, so you have the Stormcast and they're fighting through trying to find Lord Unglegots. Um, and Black Talon is sprinting as fast as she can, hacking and cutting and twirling as she goes as Cat is like clinging to her back, like hoping that she's going to make it and hoping she's surviving because she's getting sicker um, as she's in this fortress. Um, and it's like the van braces that she's wearing are kind of protecting her. Um, so they fight through and they're almost out and they have to fight through some of the servants. And Kat is using these van braces to blast the servants of Nurgle. And they kind of hint that these are channeling pure life magic and it just destroys the followers of Nurgle. Yeah. Pure um, life magic is wrecking face against Nurgle. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have all this going on and they're getting closer and closer. Um, and then Tarion and Damastus, they link up with uh, Wytha and her troops and they're fighting and they're killing. Uh, so this is like that bit of the hammer uh, action. And hammer porn. Yep. Yeah, so Tyrion has a shot at killing Lord Unglegots with a star-faded arrow. Um, but he decides against it 
because the cause has to be to get the weapon set. Um, so he uses a star faded arrow to clear out a path for Wytha to set off the weapon. Um, they're outnumbered. They're starting to lose ground. They're starting to die. And then there is a flash of energy and nothing more. Yep. Now, I'm going to go away from my normal enthusiasm and say this was not a very exciting giant battle climax thing. I, I don't know if I've just seen it so many times, but there was just nothing like, uh, you know, even that hard decision where it's like, oh, I got a shot at the leader. No, but we that's not what we're here for. It's not just to get him. We got to we'll get him and everything else with this. So then he's going to oh, I can't shoot him. I got to go for the other thing. I, I, I never felt the tension, the build up here. I mean, it's it's. What it has in cool little side things, it uh, it lacks completely in sort of this this dramatic build. Um, they're just, you know, I found, you know, oh, I need to find him. I found him. We need to go to the place. We got into the place. We got to get through. We get through the traps. They've literally had one setback where they had to run through those tunnels. Mm-hmm. And this the the sequence, I just, I had trouble getting really enthused and engaged for what 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 should seem to be the big the big finale or at yeah. least close to it you know mm-hmm. um so i mean that i you know that's my criticism of this because it's just oh okay here we go and he did it and the thing blowed up now let's see what happens next yeah this is really kind of like the best example like kind of like how I was indifferent about this book uh, because it didn't have this massive point of like the height of excitement and it wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely lacked something. I was, I mean, I, when I first read this, I really kind of enjoyed it. And then as I was going back and doing the notes, I'm like this, it's not as exciting of a story. It's all the other stuff that makes it great. It's definitely like the relationships and the interactions between the characters that sells this book. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause these action scenes for the most part are kind of blase. They're a little, they felt stale. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got to, I got to agree. Um, I kind of was hoping it wasn't, but you know, that, that it was the first time it was, I, I, I kind of was like, okay, I kind of knew what was coming next because this was so anticlimactic. I'm like, okay, so this is the fake climax, but I'm not even faked out by it. On the second reading, I'm just like, okay, nah, not so much. So, um, that was chapter 15. So chapter 16. Uh, okay, Black Talon and Cat are almost out of the fortress when the bomb seems to go off. It looks like they aren't going to make it, but Black Talon wind shifts with cat um she tells her you know take a deep breath let it out and then just and then she takes off with her um when she unwind shifts she's in the middle of a swamp she trips over just basically tumbles and drops cat cat goes splashing under the water and doesn't come up and she goes and grabs her and pulls her out uh cat seems pretty dead but she's not of course 
Um, she asked her what the heck that was, and she's like, it's wind shifting. She starts, she goes, I don't need you to explain it. I just want to know what it is. I don't ever want to do that again. I thought that was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like that little end scene at uh, in the Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, or not Homecoming, Far From Home. Um, Black Talon wants to take Cat to Azir. Cat is not interested in going to Azir, really. Uh, as they're debating, guess who shows up? Lord Unglegot, because we didn't see him die. And if you thought he was dead because of that, you haven't read a book before. Um, Cat blasts him and seems to do some serious damage, but he wallops her. Uh, Black Talon winds up taking him down, does some monologuing before she kills him that was actually, I liked kind of, kind of uh, quite a bit. Uh, but Cat was sprayed with all that Nurgle stuff and basically like half her face is dissolving and stuff. Um, it seems like she's dying and it will take... What two days to get her to Azir? And, yeah, to the nearest Shalom Gate to go back to Azir. Yeah, uh, and Black Talon just sets off to get her there. Um, oh, the uh, Keto shows up too, and she's like, "Come on, we got to get her to uh, to safety and try to save this girl's life because I, I'm not letting her die." So, mm-hmm. um, once again, another not that exciting battle. You know, Cat gets a shot in, uh, basically saves Black Talon from dying there and be, having to be reforged. Um, kind of hits him hard, caves in a part of his skull. Like, but that's that straight up pure Gyran magic, I suppose. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. What is it? Oh yeah, here it is. Um. Wait, no, it's not there. She goes, uh, they're fighting. She fights the Swamp King. Where is it? Oh, here we go. <laughs> so he's he's got an axe in his chest and a one that has split his face, right? And he's like, <laughs> you know, trying to speak through a broken jaw. I've executed many monsters, Lord Uncle Gut. Let your last thought be that you're not special, not chosen, not near as mighty as you believed. You're just another corpse who couldn't escape me. That's fantastic, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, you always get that where the bad guy at the end is like, no, 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 but I'm... Listen, just so you know, in your final moments, you're not special at all. There's nothing, you know, you you didn't almost have it. You never had it. I was just like, oh, that's fantastic. Um, also, when she thinks that Kat's definitely going to die and starts screaming out to Sigmar how that's not fair and he has to help her, um, I thought that was pretty cool. But once again, that's side stuff. That's not main story stuff. Yeah, but the side stuff was the interesting part. Right. Um, all right, let's do this. Um, why don't we take one more quick break then we'll finish up the last chapter and the epilogue and and then we can get to the wrapping up of the showing up and stuff like that okay sounds good all right cool
That's right, folks. Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. Uh, so we are back to wrap up Black Talon, the first mark. He is now slain. And we're back in Azir uh, at the lodgings of the Shadow... of the uh, It's the Shadow Hammers or the Black Hammers? I think it's Black Hammers, isn't it? Uh, I don't remember. So either way... Does it matter? Does it no. really? No, they're Hammers of Sigmar. They, right. But that's besides the point. Um, so Nave and Tarion are talking, and Nave is trying to get out of him. It's like, what was it like when the weapon went off? And his response was, it was death. That was it. And he doesn't go into the details. It's like, this was a death. And that's all it was. Yep. Um, so Cat did make it to his ear. She's clinging to life. And... Nave is worried about her, and Tyrion's like, well, why are you worried about her? She's going to be fine. She's being attended by one of the sisters of the Sacrosanct uh, chamber, and she's like, that's what I'm worried about um, because of the corruption that she's been exposed to, but also they're going to be trying to figure out how they can use her van braces. Yep. So it's, again, that new weapon of we have something that we could possibly use um, to our benefit. Um, so Nave is worried about that. It's like, well, you're only saving her to use this as a weapon. Well, and Tarion she... as well comes in there because he's even like, can you blame him? Any weapon? We... Well, maybe not any weapon. Like, even he's seen what some of these things can do. And it's like, well, maybe not. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming that he felt before this happened that any weapon they could get is good right yeah and now after he saw what that thing he's like well maybe not anything he goes and then he asks he does ask her do you think Witha or Witha will use it again and if it can be I don't doubt it for a second and I thought that was see and this is where we start this is the last few pages that actually get some interesting stuff here because this is where they start laying the ground for if you think that was it that this was an easy and clean and they've just been planning to get rid of this one guy there's you're kill you're you're fooling yourself um where does she say it here um is it done is the matter done why do i feel like we missed something like i missed something you suspect some greater machination don't you there's too much coincidence here too many loose ends i can't tie together where did the sylvaneth acquire the weapon who from who used it before why did we the summons reach me just in the nick of time Sigmar's hammer. I mean, we still don't know why the damned Gorkin were able to overrun Fort Vigilance in the first place. Or what Zelkin had to do with it, if anything. Was that connected to all this? I owe it to Catalia to answer these questions, or her sacrifice may yet be for naught. 
and he's like, you've had a lot of stuff going on, and you, you know, he's like, you need to maybe, you know, not worry about this right, right now. And she's just not happy with that answer. Let let wiser minds than ours worry about the big picture. It's not like you to bury your head in the sand. He's like, look, we'll figure it out. It's just we don't, we can't figure it out right now. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's basically the end of it. They go off. They go back to work. Yeah, they wait for the next mark. Yeah, and that's the end of the story. And it's oh well, no, we have the epilogue. So yeah, this is this is this part is actually kind of interesting. Yeah, this is the questions part. Right. So White is there, and um, she's in this place. The roots were as night black as the cavern in which they grew. They were writhing strands of shadow and darkness that caused even Wytha to feel unfamiliar gnaw of fear. Somewhere ahead of her, something huge stirred in that gloom. Blue whorls shimmered momentarily. Eyes like cold stars flashed in the darkness. It worked then? It did. But the child diverged. It was not a question. She was led from the path by a chance encounter, but our mark upon her heart remains. When the hour comes, she will stand ready to play her part. Of course, it has been foreseen, and so shall it be. You will make sure of this. Indeed, my girl will sing her part in the symphony, and the liar gods will topple from their thrones. We will be safe at last. We will. Go then and do your part. Do not permit any further divergence at once. Thank you, my liege. And uh, Wythe had feared that Neve's willfulness, her reluctance to walk the path laid for her, might be the scheme's undoing. Instead, White had another chance to make sure the symphony played out as it should. She would make sure of it, no matter what horrors must be wrought, no matter how much blood must be shed. And that's the actual ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and this makes total sense with their their um, their branch of the Sylvaneth, if you pardon the the phrase. Um, what the dread. Yeah, they. Yeah, the Dreadwood. Yeah, so we're right. There is a bigger plan going on there, um, and there's going to be some more stories, and there's some interesting stuff in it. But that's pretty much it. That's pretty much the story. Um, and you're kind of right. I think. Like, I enjoyed it. I think more than you. There's some parts that I thought were real. Like, anytime you talk about all the reforging and all that stuff, and get into what the common Stormcast trooper thinks i like that a lot that was a better part of this book mm-hmm. I mean, you're not going out on a limb saying that so no um the rest of it was just it was i was it was not, i didn't find it exciting and yes. i think that's part of it is i i never i never felt like they were in real like i know they were in the characters were in danger obviously but i never felt there was any real danger of any of them failing or not succeeding there was never anything that seemed bigger than they could handle um is it because we're now used to stormcast being like this unflinching unwavering thing where it's like they will succeed eventually unless they're confronted by something significantly worse like archaeon because like even if you think about it the hallowed knights have gone up against nurgle himself and almost all of them walked away with Plague Garden. Right. Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't... 
I don't know because a lot of them do fail and you read stories about failure. I wouldn't mind seeing some of the failures that happen. I mean, we've read about some of them in the bigger in the bigger stories, uh, mm-hmm. the more sprawling things. Um, I don't know. I just, I never felt the stakes were all that high in this. Yeah, no, these are not world-shattering stakes by any stretch of the imagination. No, and the and the end, even though it does throw in the the little mystery that she was right, there is something bigger in the picture. I don't know if there's enough there for to really latch your teeth on to. Um, like I, 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 I mean, if 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 a sequel comes out, I'll read it because I'm curious to where it's going, and I pretty much read most of these books um but it's not something that i'm waiting excitedly for the next installment yes i would agree um but i did i did enjoy it for for what for some of the things it had in it um it's just it's kind of a shame that i like the first two-thirds of the book more than the last third of the book it is but i think it's also we've been kind of spoiled a lot for the level of writing that has come out with Black Library, um, with some of the other books that we've covered, Soul Wars, Plague Garden, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, we've had books where you feel more invested and they're a bit more interesting than this. And I think it kind of shows that this one is not at that level. Yeah. I agree. I mean, unless it's, I mean, I mean, I guess, is it trying to set up something later? And if so, kind of, you know, what, what are we, what are we setting up here? What, what is this supposed to be? Yeah. I think the biggest thing is just to figure out who Wytha's master is. If it's Alarial, which I doubt, is it Zinch? Is it any number of other things? Could be. Because if like a glade of the Sylvaneth have turned over to chaos, then it's a little different, which I can't imagine a Lariel would allow anyway. So we don't know what's going on. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. Um, I don't know. Like I said, all in all, it was interesting. It was fun. The first time I read it, I I yeah, I, I liked it. I think a little more going back and doing all the notes, uh, seeing some of the. Uh, I don't know, seeing some of the... The flies in the ointment, as it yeah. were. <laughs> ah, very good. I was going to say shortcomings. You are far more clever. Yes. Um, yeah, it's just... I mean, it was okay. Uh, honestly, if you're listening to this um, and you heard it all, I mean, if you want to go read it, great. But I, I, we pretty much summed it all up. Yeah. Yeah, so... That's our review. I was... Um, that's weird. I was far more excited to do this when I first read it like three months ago, and now I'm coming back to it going, wow, this is not exactly how I remembered it. I'm just kind of surprised that this is where this led to after all my enthusiasm. Yeah, because you've been talking about this book since it came out. And I think it's because it's a Hammer as a Sigmar book. You play Hammer as a Sigmar, and it's about a character that is not typical yeah because black talon herself is a really cool character i mean it's not like you know the book was boring or not interesting on all the cool things she was doing i mean there's a lot of neat stuff in here i'm it just the big picture it had a lot of great elements 
that didn't come together for a bi- one big great story. Like the sum, uh, the the sum of its parts was not equal to the cool parts. Yeah. Oh well. Um. Hey, folks, don't forget about the contest. You can be right now telling me what your awesome love of this hobby is about. Give me something positive. Um, send that in. You've got a month. Get that sent in ASAP because $100 in stuff. And they've got little terrain things there on the website, um, but they've got all sorts of movement trays and other things like that. Um stuff you're going to need to play the game. So um, I would uh, get those entries in ASAP. Um, anything else you wanted to say, Alex, before we you know, thank everyone again and get rolling? Yeah, sure. Um, I did have a quick shout-out uh, to Tony K. Um, I was up at the uh, Warhammer West Bend store um, over the weekend to pick up Barrick, the Indomitable, the special Stormcast guy with the hammer. Um, and I was playing my buddy Andrew, and uh, this guy came up, and he's like, hey, are you guys that guy from Garage Hammer? And I said, yeah, I'm one of them. And he's like, well, my name is Tony. You know, I love the show. Really appreciate what you guys do. Um, to the point that he went out and bought the uh, Gloom Spite Black Library book that just came out not too long ago. Oh, yeah? Um because he enjoyed our Gloom Spite review so much. Oh, cool. Um, he is so, the guy who left the three-minute message as well. Oh, neat. Okay. So we will hear that next episode. Yeah, because you started saying, I'm like, yep, that, that, yep, that's the guy who left the message. Yeah, and um, it was kind of weird because we had like a weird moment because it was like, um, I thought he was saying that his last name was a Tony K that I already knew, um, but clearly was not him. Right. And then we have a Gavin K of a very similar last name that comes to Adepticon. And I'm like, are you, I'm trying to figure out who, like, are you related to these people? Just like really, <laughs> like a really, we had a weird moment um, right at the end. But no, super nice guy. I really appreciate him coming up and saying thank you and saying hello. So yeah, that's all I got now. Cool. Um,. Before we go, one last time, thank you to our Patreon um, patrons. Oh, and that's patreon.com slash garagehammer if you are even remotely interested in looking into helping out the show. Um, you know, lots of people jump in for a dollar an episode, and you don't realize how much that helps the show when people are like, yeah, I can give a little bit, and it's 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 actually huge on this end. Uh, thank you again to our associate producers, Phil Elliott, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, and AJC. Uh, thanks again to our newest Patreon patron, Ken Sheldon. Thank you all for being part of the 1% who make this show possible. Alex? Dave? We'll be back soon talking about all sorts of cool new stuff because it's still coming fast and furious. But until next time, folks, only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall. And only the faithful know no despair except in failure. You've been listening to Garage Hand. If you've enjoyed the show, maybe consider leaving us a positive review on iTunes or check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash garagehammer. If you'd like to reach us, you can contact us via our email address, garagehammer at live.com. You can also find us on Twitter. David is at garagehammer and Alex, that's me, is at somekindofgeek30. 
Original music by Claire Seabrook. You can find more of her work at soundcloud.com slash Claire Seabrook Music. Finally, if you want to join the Garage Hammer community, as well as the AOS community worldwide, you can comment on our episodes in the show thread at the Grand Alliance Forums, that's tga.community, or check out the Garage Hammer Facebook page. And as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>